Hello, you're listening to the Sydney Writers Centre podcast on writers and writing. My name is Valerie Koo and you can find us online at sydneywriterscentre.com.au. We're Australia's leading writing centre and you'll find a wealth of resources on our website and blog, including interviews with authors, writing tips and valuable ideas on how to get published. Whether you're interested in writing a novel, short story or articles for magazines, you'll find information and courses to help you get there. Or if you want to hone your business writing skills, we can help you too. Our presenters are the best in the industry. We hope you enjoy today's podcast. West Australian author Sarah Foster has just released her second book, Beneath the Shadows. Her first novel, Come Back to Me, was released in 2010 and was well received by readers and critics alike. Beneath the Shadows is set in the isolated North Yorkshire moors in England. Grace has returned there one year after her husband Adam vanishes. In her attempts to uncover the truth about Adam's disappearance, Grace discovers more about the village's superstitions and folklore and secrets that endanger her and her daughter. Originally from England, Sarah settled in Perth with her husband in 2004. She has had a long career in publishing in editing, but has had a passion for writing since she was young. In 2002, she was heavily involved with the children's charity book series to raise money for War Child. She also contributes regularly to HolidayGoddess.com, a website devoted to female-friendly travel. So thanks for joining us today, Sarah. You're welcome. Now, Sarah, this is actually your second podcast with us because your first novel, Come Back to Me, um, we spoke to you then. And in the time that's passed, you've now released Beneath the Shadows. Tell us a little bit about Beneath the Shadows. Well, Beneath the Shadows is really my story of Grace. And Grace goes back to the North Yorkshire Moors in England, which is a very isolated part of the world, to search um, for her missing husband who disappeared there a year earlier. Um, When she goes back, she goes away from London. So she's been a city girl. She's been um, living in the bright lights, uh, having a career, and then she's had a baby. So she takes a young child to this very isolated spot in the middle of nowhere to find out what happened to Adam. And when she does that, she's confronted by all sorts of different things that really prey on her vulnerabilities. So there's some very suspicious locals that don't seem to embrace her very much. There's lots of myths and legends around the place. The cottage is a little bit creepy that she's staying in. So she is faced with all these different challenges while she's searching for the truth. And how did this come about? How did the seed of this idea come into your head? Well, the seed was really Grace herself. Um, She came into my head back in 2001 when I'd been working in HarperCollins in the UK for a couple of years. And I was really beginning to think about the direction I wanted to go in life. And it was becoming more and more apparent to me that I felt that I was on the wrong side of the desk in a way. I was was really wanting to be uh, with all the other writers who came in and out and who I saw every day. And that was quite a confronting thing for me at the time because I hadn't really acknowledged yet how much I wanted to write uh, for a living. And so I began to think, uh, and and at the same time, this woman popped into my head who had all these different vulnerabilities. So I really began to think about what I could throw at her and challenge her and then see how she coped with them. Mm. And do you switch between writing and editing, as in editing other people's work these days? 
Not at the moment, because my switching at the moment goes between writing and being mum to a very active toddler. <laughs> <laughs> so I think to add editing into the mix might topple me, so I've, I've stayed away from that right now. Now, a lot of writers do actually have to combine their efforts, their writing efforts, with things like parenting. Um, do How do you carve out time for yourself? Because with writing, you really do need long stretches that you can get right into it. What do you do? Do you have a routine? How do you make sure you have that time? Well, it's interesting at the moment because I've been busy working on the promotion material for Beneath the Shadows for quite a while. So I've really lost that sense of routine at the moment. But when I was writing Beneath the Shadows, I would have a good um, couple of mornings each week where I had a child mind to come in and take care of Hannah. And that really helped. And then my husband is also brilliant, so he could maybe give me another extra hour or two when he got home from work. But it is very different once you've had a child. I find that you've got to be a lot more flexible and that that's hard work at times as well. While she's so little, she just she really needs me to have that flexibility. So we just do have to play it day by day at times. Mm-hmm. Now, Beneath the Shadows is set in England, as you've mentioned. Um, why England? You know, you're living in Perth now. Um, is, there, is it a sign that you're homesick or...? <laughs> <laughs> No, not really. I, basically, the novel came about when I was still in England, and the setting was always very clear to me because I've had personal experience of the North Yorkshire Moors, and when I was looking for somewhere to, for Grace to have to work through her issues, there's no me- nowhere more confronting, and it had all the different elements that I wanted because it's very beautiful, but it's also very isolating, very stark, and, and quite difficult at certain times of the year. So... The setting just came about because it worked within the book rather than anything else. So was there a lot of research required or you pretty much had that in the bag already? Um, In some ways, it obviously really helped that I had the personal experience, but I did do quite a lot of research as well. I certainly looked into all the myths and legends that I use and the different folk tales of the area, which was really enjoyable. And I did quite a lot of going around to make sure that I had a few of my facts straight and and a lot of quizzing my in-laws as well, actually, who were very good on (laughs) providing me with answers to different things. Now, your books have been described as mystery and suspense. Firstly, what about that that genre appeals to you? I think I'm writing the kind of thing that I really love to read. Mm -hmm. So that was why it was such a joy, really, to put in the other novels of mystery suspense like Rebecca into Beneath the Shadows mm-hmm. because they are classics that I've really loved and so I'm moving on from that trying to stay within genre that I enjoy and I think that I also like developing the twists and turns and the pace of such a story it's quite a challenge to keep that going mm-hmm. uh, I really like the way that that challenges me as a writer. How do you know what what are the key things you think that a writer needs to use to keep that suspense going, to keep the reader, you know, hanging on and wondering what's going to happen next, particularly in something that, that's a mystery. What, what's important there? I think having a, uh, a delicate balance really is quite important. So you, you've got to really work, and I wouldn't say this comes naturally, it's something that you work up, you've got to really work at how long you can keep a reader hooked by providing clues and then when you need to also move on from that. So you've got to do a series of reveals. So you do need those twists and turns. It's very hard to keep the novel going if you're just aiming for one big Mm. twist without anything else as a build-up. So I think what I do is I am very aware going through that I need 
to let the reader in gradually to certain bits of the story and not keep them waiting too long before I give them another piece of information, another piece of information. And and that is really where editing skills come in as well because it is a really difficult balance to get mm. at times. And, and sometimes only on looking back do you realise that, oh, actually, I've gone a bit wrong there and this has really slowed down now or it needs an injection of something else, either another character or another pace, piece of pace or a twist or that mm. kind of thing. And... Over time, obviously, you've worked out what that delicate balance is, but what are the things that have given you the clues to that balance? Has it been gut feel? Has it been response from your readers? Has it been actual, you know, techniques and formulas like a three-act structure? You know, what has given you the, the experience and understanding to know when you've got that balance? That's a really interesting question, actually, and I would say that quite a bit of it is more of a gut feeling. Um, not necessarily a response to my readers because I actually haven't had that kind of detail of response. I think it's very detailed, this kind of thing. Um, I think also just the amount that I have read of all sorts of different things, you start to get a sense of how other people do it. Even if you're not consciously analyzing things, you do get a sense of what you enjoy and what you appreciate and what works and then having been able to take that apart as an editor, I'm sure has provided me mm. with a lot of subconscious insight into how it happens and how to make it work. Mm. Now, your previous experience as an editor, you mentioned being on the perhaps the wrong side of the desk, so to speak, and mm. and it's it's quite daunting to think of crossing over, particularly in in situations like this, whether it's even becoming an actor in the scriptwriter or vice versa, or in your case, an editor and a writer. How did you get over that that um, overwhelming feeling of, you know? Will it work? Yeah, yeah. Um, slowly, I think. I kept I kept my writing to myself for a long time. I didn't... I, I'm not very good at sharing things around. I find it just distracts me and confuses me. I'd much rather work at something over and over again to a point that I'm really ready to share it. And I did that for a long time. So I felt that like I was having quite a lot of practice where I was working really hard and I was looking at lots of different tips and advice and I was reading lots and um, not just reading advice but also just reading lots of the kind of fiction I enjoy and all sorts of different things and I worked my confidence up that way I think I I know that a lot of people do get a load of support from um, writers groups and things like that and it's just something it's just a path I never went down because I think I just it just fits me to work in isolation up to a point Mm. and then after that I love the feedback from an editor but until I've got something that I feel is really comfortable um, and really working well for me, I don't like to share it too much. So when you said you kept it to yourself for a long time, what's a long time? Like how long is that really? Well, I mean, I, I, my dreams of being a writer, although they had um, been there since before 2001, I think it was around 2001, 2002 that I thought, actually, hang on, I really want to do this. You know, this is my long-term aim. So I kept it to myself the whole time that I developed my editing career. I didn't really tell that many people that I was writing at all. I just started to play and work on different things. And it was only really probably 2006, 2007 when I sent out something to um, my agent that I really began to share it. And at that point, um, the novel that I sent out wasn't um, something that she wanted to take on, but 
she'd seen enough there that she said, uh, let me know with the next thing that you do. And so that was come back to me. Mm. And so your editing skills are obviously extremely useful. Editing skills are useful for any writer, particularly in terms of pace and structure and that sort of thing. How do you think writers, what's your advice? How do you think writers can develop those sorts of editing skills so they can look at their own writing with that kind of critical eye? Um, the ideal is to go on a course to help you because editing is quite a specific skill and I think to do a course really helps you to get that focus. But there are other things that you can do as well. I think certainly look at a book that you love or that's in a similar genre of one that you're trying to write and really analyse it and take it apart. I really enjoyed doing that again with Rebecca when I was writing Beneath the Shadows, just trying to really look at um, how she pieced it together technically because you read... As an editor or with an editorial eye, you read something in a totally different way than you do when you're reading for pleasure. Um, and you're really just taking that structure apart and breaking it down into the finest detail. Um, so you're looking at anything from the meaning of words to how she's um, structured her plot and her pace and uh, that kind of thing. So I would say that's a really useful thing to be able to do. And another thing that I think is really important is just not to be scared of the process, to realize that it's a natural part of the process of putting together the best piece of work that you can do. Mm-hmm. And so while you are writing, while you're actually writing a novel, are you reading other novels in that genre or other novels generally or do you need to stay focused in your story? No, I, I like to try and read for pleasure as well. Um, I will read something relevant if there's, uh, I'm looking for something particular that I want to incorporate into my work or I just need advice or input in that sense Uh, but I certainly like to try and just read for pleasure and switch off that working side of it and just be able to let a story take me away I'd be really sad if I couldn't get lost in a story anymore because it was all very much related to Mm. my writing Mm And so your first book, Come Back to Me, um, was very well received. How did it feel to achieve that on your first novel? Um, it felt amazing. <laughs> I still don't think I've been working so hard on one thing or another that people ask me that and I think, oh, I'm not sure I've taken it in really. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I still need a moment to sit back and go, wow. You know? <laughs> I have this story about when I first got my um, finished copies of Come Back to Me and my little girl was um, probably about six months old at the time and she just learned to sit up and she was very wobbly. And I was distracted. My husband brought in this big box and I was distracted and we were both going, wow. And she fell off the sofa behind me. (laughs) (laughs) And that was the moment gone. (laughs) So, yeah, I'm always trying to take it in and there's something very surreal about it in a way. It's it's hard to comprehend that it's out there now and and people are reading it and really engaging with it. But it's also absolutely wonderful are you getting feedback from readers yeah I'm actually getting quite a lot of feedback this time from beneath the shadows more so than I did from come back to me and really positive feedback as well which is absolutely awesome Mm. and yeah it just makes me want to get writing again oh wonderful well we're very excited and we've chosen it as one of the books one of the handful of books for our, our book club um so you've written two books in two years do you just is that all you do right I mean <laughs> was that difficult are you just naturally prolific um I do write quite quickly when I write which uh, I do take my work apart a lot as well so it's it's not an easy fluid process by any stretch of the imagination but 
I, when I write, I mean, I think that the most I ever wrote for one of my novels in one day was 10,000 words. Oh, my God. So, um, <laughs> I, when I write, I really write, and I really get lost in it. And so it often comes in these very short, intense bursts, which isn't actually the way that I find most comfortable to work. I quite like having a routine and a bit of stability, but it's just that the story takes me over mm. and... I just, if it's there, I just need to get it down. So, for example, for Beneath the Shadows, did you, I know you started off with your character, and but, but when you got into your writing, had you already plotted it out or had your key plot points mapped out or did you, as you say, you know, let the story take you where it went and see what happens? Um, a bit of both, really. So I had my key character of Grace. I knew all the different men that were going to be in her life. I knew she had this wonderful sister called Annabelle. Um, I, so I had a lot of elements of the plot. I knew the diff- who the different villagers were and how everything tied in. And I knew the major twist at the end. Right. I, I always knew what that was going to be. And in both my novels so far, it's been very much like that. I've had all the characters firmly in my mind and they've been very distinctive and I've also known the big twist at the end and some of the other stuff hasn't been so clear and that has changed as I've gone along but that ten- that seems to be the way that I work and that's evolved naturally it's not something that I've looked for Mm-mm. and how do you, you create a character that you know so well what do you actually do what do you go through any particular kind of process to build that character or how does that character emerge so I have a character that I think something grabs me that interests me about a character, first of all, and I'll hook onto that. So with Grace, it was a combination of this vulnerability, but this absolute determination as well to find out the truth. Um, and so then, and, and with one of the characters who didn't come back to me, you know, it was this terrible thing had happened to her and she was struggling to cope and how, how was she going to get on with that? So those questions really hook me in and then I think the process of developing them is just really me turning them over and over in my mind all the time and trying to get to know them in a number of different ways so um, I might read up about the kind of area that I want them to be involved in I certainly what I have done in the past is written questionnaires for them and answered them as as the characters so that I found out a bit more about them because I find that I often there's something very um deeply set about the way the characters are and I find that I find it quite easy to answer these questionnaires because I do feel like I know them but it's a matter of drawing it out as well so um, I find that a really useful tool to get to know them and then gradually just through a process of thinking about them repeatedly all the time they just become more and more real. So if you're thinking about them repeatedly all the time and once you get then to the end of your book um, do you find that your friends have gone, your friends have left you or something like that? Yeah, very much so. I mean, I actually wrote an extra um, chapter for Beneath the Shadows, which is available via the Random House website from my character Annabelle's point of view because I loved Annabelle and Beneath the Shadows and I was finding it really hard to let her go. And I didn't feel that I'd been able to necessarily bring her out as much as I wanted to because the story wasn't really about her. She was just a supporting role in that story, but... Yeah, I really wanted to go back to her, and, and Grace, I do miss when I think about what happened, you know, kind of to all sorts of different characters after the novels end and wonder about going back to them, but uh, they haven't um, kept their association that strongly that I would return to them at the moment, but I may do in future. 
And so you speak about, you know, wanting to get writing again. Uh, do you know what your next project is then? Yes, I do. Um, I'm going to hopefully be working on a very complicated love story which incorporates a real passion for the sea. Um, so I'm really looking forward to doing that. It's going to be about two people who share this bond with the sea as well as with each other, but they also have hidden dramas in their past that need to be resolved. So um, I'm working on those characters at the moment. I think that's partly why my old characters have to take a step back because these new ones are now jumped into my mind. Wow. <laughs> and so when do you think you'll get stuck into that? Well, I would love to. I've got some um, bits and pieces of work to do on the US version of Beneath the Shadows first, and then I'm hoping that I'll get that finished by April time. Mm. And then I'd love to just start again straight away. I, as soon as I have the time and space, any time and space to focus on them, there will be lots more writing going <laughs> So tell us then, say the next five years, now that you've had, you know, you're beyond your debut novel, um, you're yeah. on the second one, it's already getting a lot of wonderful feedback. Tell us about the next five years do you think you'll be doing a novel a year or what What are your plans? What would you like to see? Well, I don't know about a novel a year, but I've certainly, not only have I got this story that I'd like to write next, but I've certainly got at least one or two more that are really coming together in my mind as well. So I think, I think a novel a year is a really ambitious goal. Yes. And so if I've got two or three stories lined up, that takes me over the next five years really. Yes. And, um, yeah, one or two other things that I'm doing as well. Like I, I'm um, working on a book for the Holiday Goddess team. So that's a little travel book that'll be coming out in December. So I have a few other little bits and pieces that keep me busy in the meantime. And I think probably my next five years are going to be full if that's the way I'm going to go. <laughs> Sounds like it. Um, and then finally, then, what's your advice uh, as an editor, you know, with your editor's hat on now, to budding authors who really are wondering whether they're at that stage, you know, where, where you were when you knew um, that you were ready, that you were really happy with it. How do you, how do they know when they're ready? Yeah, that's a really difficult question to answer on behalf of somebody else. Um, I would say get a little bit of feedback from people you trust. I mean, my mum is a massive reader and one of my inspirations, and she's always one of the first people that I go to with my books, as is my husband. You know, And they will tell me, if you have people like that who can give you honest feedback and you really trust, well, then that's a good way to find out whether you're as ready as you think you are. Um, it's a very hard thing to know because you're often very close to a novel, so it's really difficult to distance yourself and see whether you're ready but if if the worst happens and you send it out and somebody says this isn't ready I would just say don't despair because if it's not ready now it doesn't mean that it never can be I mean come back to me went through a year of editing with agents before we even sent it to a publisher because even though I thought it was ready the um, agents that I had involved with it had a lot more to say about that and they had some very good points and and it can take a lot longer than you think to, to go through this editorial process, but it's, it is all working to make your book the best book it can be. And so while you feel like you might be tearing your hair out at times, just don't despair and don't give up because you will get somewhere in the end. 
Wonderful words of advice. And on that note, thank you very much for your time today, Sarah. You're very welcome. You've been listening to the Sydney Writers' Centre podcast on writers and writing. My name's Valerie Koo. You can find us online, including details about our courses, seminars and online learning, as well as information on our regular competitions where you can win books, movie tickets and literary experiences at www.sydneywriterscentre.com.au or visit me on my personal website, www.valeriekoo.com. That's Valerie Koo, K-H-O-O dot com. Thank you for listening.